Hello, and welcome to the Equus Film and Arts Fest podcast, the only program for horse lovers who have a fondness for horses in film, art, and literature. Each week, we will have interesting conversations with equestrian filmmakers, artists, and authors from around the world, discussing the nature and challenges, as well as the triumphs of creating their work. Ready to talk horses and film and the arts? Here's your host, Julianne Neal, along with Lisa Dearson, festival founder and director. Hi, this is Julianne. I'm so pleased to have the chance to share some of this year's content from the Equus Film and Arts Fest on the podcast episodes coming up over the next few weeks. Although we made a move to virtual in 2020, we still had amazing participation from our filmmakers, authors, and artists. So over our next few podcast episodes, you'll hear from our web chats, hosted by Diana DeRosa, Lisa DeMaisy, Carly Cade, Milt Toby, and myself. You'll hear web chats, panels, and more. Stay tuned, and we hope that you enjoy. Hi, I'm Julianne Neal with the Equus Film and Arts Fest, and I'm so happy to be speaking with one of our new Equus authors, Kathy Shepherd-Jones. Kathy, welcome to the Arts Festival. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited about your project. You can do so many things. And from the time that I first saw this online, I was just really excited about it. So can you tell us, first of all, what is the project and then how you got started with it? Absolutely. You Can Do So Many Things is a celebration of the horse and career exploration for children. And it's written for children at a very young age. And it's about diversity and of work and of love of horses and, and the bluegrass region here in Kentucky, which is where I'm fortunate enough to be. Uh, we follow the main character, Flynn, on a trip around central Kentucky, and she goes on an equine adventure. And the jobs that are highlighted recognize that people find jobs and careers in a lot of different ways. Well, so you're with, there's a tie-in with the University of, University of Kentucky with the Human Development Institute. And so how has that partnership really um, benefited the book or been, has the book been part of that partnership? You know, the, for me, it was like the, the, the perfect storm. Everything got to come together in writing this book because I am the executive director of the Human Development Institute at the University of Kentucky. And our work centers around inclusion and opportunities for people with disabilities. And uh, we know that students with disabilities have uh, far worse outcomes in terms of employment than students without disabilities. And I was able to bring my love of horses and my uh, career work with horses as well together and, and wanting to really reach back and recognizing that we start thinking about careers far earlier in life. And so this is a way for young children and families and professionals, frankly, to be thinking about what's possible and what better way to do that than um, through, through the lens of, of horses. Absolutely. Well, throughout the book, children can follow along with Flynn, the main character, who, as you said, has a mobility um, impairment. And so Flynn is going to some of the different places around Lexington. Were these real places, real people that you're featuring? And so you really did kind of go around and, and talk to them before you wrote the book. How did that work? Well, because I, I've had horses here for a long time, 
I, a lot of these places were kind of my own little haunts that were very special to me. And so we wanted to, to showcase them. And uh, so that includes the University of Kentucky, the Kentucky Horse Park, Keeneland, Horse Sense Tack Shop, and uh, one of the local feed mills, Hallway Feeds. So um, everybody was on board with, with being part of this even before they got to see what it would look like. And after we shared the final product with them, people were just like really excited about seeing it come together. So, um, and honestly, I think that's been one of the, the, the greatest rewards of the project because uh, our state chamber of commerce has uh, really gotten on board with this because of course um, they're, they're a huge partner with the horse industry. And so we're talking about ways that we can use this book um, to provide educational opportunities, but also what the next book might look like too. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> Very good. So what is the next book? Hey, can you tell us or is it a secret? Well, you know, there, we, I, I feel like we, um, we did a lot in the first book. We're introduced to lots of different breeds of horses, which also I thought was important, um, but lots of, of careers, but there were many that weren't featured. So we thought, well, you know, Flynn's got more to do. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of leave it there right now. Okay, good. So I just want to make sure Flynn is still going to be part of the mix. So yes. Flynn is feeling, I think, pretty empowered right now. So she's, she's got more to see and explore. Um, so she is not done, but I think that also speaks so strongly to, um, our illustrator, Brittany Granville, the work of the, of the, of the images that she created. I mean, I'm just still amazed and enthralled when I, when I look at this. So it's just, I think it's just beautiful. Well, it is beautiful. And I just love Flynn. She's beautiful herself. And of course we love the horses. And I did read where you had said, this was like your love letter to Lexington. And I think that's pretty special. So you, you've made this available actually online as an accessible online PDF. And people could also purchase it. Where would they go to find out more about the project or to purchase the book? The best place to start is going to be at the website for HDI, which is hdi.uky.edu and then slash EC book. That stands for early childhood book. And uh, the book is also going to be available uh, in Spanish and it's accessible for screen readers and you know, we want it to be accessible and available for, for kids and for families, recognizing that people need have different accessibility needs and they like to interact in different ways with materials. So we've also got an audio as well. And all of that's free. That was the whole point of the project. We, it, it wasn't about selling books. It was about making it available to people. And we've given away um, 700 hardcover books to childcare providers all around the state we had a, a small grant to be able to do so. And, you know, I, I have a mobility impairment myself. So I've used a wheelchair all my life. And, um, you know, we know that sometimes it's really hard. If you can't see it, how can you be it? Right. We wanted kids to be able to see themselves in this book. That's and awesome. Mm, well, you've definitely done that. So thank you. Congratulations on the whole project. And thank you for sharing it with us. I think it's so special. So, and thank we look you. forward to the next, next steps for you and for whatever Flynn has in store. Thank you so much, Julie. It's been great talking with you. 
This episode of the Equus Film and Arts Fest podcast is sponsored in part by Nature's View, The Marley Project, and JA Media Productions. To learn more about what we do, visit naturesview.us. I'm Diana DeRosa, and I am speaking to Yolanda Ellenberger, who lives in Switzerland. It's so great. We're talking to people all over the world. And she is the director, producer, and cinematographer of the film, High Sensitive Youth in the Horse Heart Space. Wow, I love that title. So tell me why you decided to produce this film. Um, I'm a highly sensitive person, and for me, it was very important that people get to know what it means to be high sensitive and the correlation between humans, high sensitives, empaths, and horses. Horses are empaths as well, highly sensitive, and they're great healers, and empaths, human empaths, are also healers. Now, are all horses highly, highly sensitive, or is it like humans where some are and some aren't? All horses are high sensitives. It just depends on how we treat them. So if you let them be as they are, they will let you know that they're highly sensitive. They have an enormous spirit and um, enormous healing capacities. So I know it took you a little time to find out that you were highly sensitive or what was going on with you. How did you find out that horses were highly sensitive and someone you could connect with? Uh, I found out that actually as a child, but at that time I didn't really know the names to put the names to that. But I always had an enormous um, communication skills with animals such and with horses in particular. And my own horses that I have, like they're two, I have them since they were um, foals and now they're seven and eight. Uh, they show me in their communication, body-wise, as well as um, in their spirits, um, how high sensitive they are. So I'm also an animal communicator. So uh, before we t- sign off, I'd actually like to ask you one more question. Do you have an experience that you could share with us that's really sort of unique and something that comes to mind when you think back at doing this film and at your sensitivity skills? Yes, very much. Um, All of the horses that were in the film, they were really, they knew before I came even there to their location that I'm coming. And especially particularly one, Tara, which is a wild horse and has been really going through some horrible mistreatment by humans. And she was so anxious and she was really showing me with her gestures also like, come on, come on, put up this camera. I want to get in front of this camera. I want to give you my messages. And then her human companion, um, Sarah Wilson, she translated, uh, because she's also an animal communicator, she translated what Tara, the wild horse, wanted to tell her. And that was fantastic. And I was, my, I was crying behind the camera. It was so touching. Wow. What a wonderful story. And I'm sure people want to know more about your story. So if people do want to know about high sensitive youth in the horse heart space, how do they do that? And do you have any last words you'd like to say before we sign off? So um, they can find me under in Facebook under the name Yolanda Ellenberger and Yolanda is spelled with a J. And um, I'm uh, in discussion with um, various people for distribution. 
for the film. So we'll, we'll see about that. So, and when they get in touch with me for Facebook, I can let them know about the updates on that film and all the other work I'm doing with horses. Well, fabulous. It's been great talking to you. I love that we're able to connect, even though we are miles and miles and thousands of miles apart. So congratulations for being part of this year's Equus Film and Arts Fest. Thank you very much, Diana. I really appreciate it. Hi, this is Lisa Mae DeMacy with another Equus Film Festival web chat here with accomplished equestrian artist, Cameron Coleman. Welcome, Cameron. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really excited to visit with you today. Cameron, your art career spans three decades in most mediums, but the first time you tried oil was three years ago to help raise funds for a symphony orchestra. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, thank you. Um, I. You know, I began my art career as a permanent gallery artist in my early 20s and uh, had my own business as a stonemason. Most of my artwork ended up being uh, built into homes and I didn't uh, really focus too much on my uh, general art career uh, because I didn't really like the art industry and my feelings toward it are still pretty ambivalent. Um, I like working more directly with the client and with the customer um, than with the gallery kind of dynamic. Um, and so I'm a natural with commission work. And I married my wife, Bethany Evans, about four years ago, and she's a world-class musician in her own right. She's a harpist, and she performs with many of Oregon's um, symphonies here. And so I moved to Oregon to marry her and to be a groupie of her and her symphonies, of which I hadn't had previous exposure. And artistically, the symphony just took my breath away. And especially Bethany with her heart. Um, and, and I love the dynamic, um, collaborative, uh, just beautiful, um, visually uh, what the symphony is. And so I did a painting, a spray painting of Bethany with her harp um, in the symphony and the executive director saw it and said, we could use this. And we talked about ways that we could raise money for the symphony because symphonies um, don't, they can't make it just with ticket sales. They need a lot of other funding. And and so I loved that idea, but I didn't think that I could accomplish what I wanted to do with a specific symphony with spray paint. And so I tried oil painting for the first time. Uh. And that painting was Salem Symphony, which, which got a lot of immediate attention and put me on a track to be completely obsessed with oil painting. And, and in the first two years, I painted some 15 symphonies across wow. the U.S. and raised money for them, including um, I painted Chicago Symphony, Nashville Symphony, uh, Wichita Symphony was one of my favorite programs, um, did uh, Rogue Valley Symphony in Oregon, um, Salem Orchestra, I did a couple speculative pieces of, of 
Oregon Symphony, um, Walla Walla Symphony, uh, to name a few. There are more. And, and each symphony is different, and so each fundraising uh, program was different for them. But in general, uh, when I do fundraising, I like to provide the art for free, and then we split proceeds that we can raise from, from that. Which brings us to Derby Day, uh, because I had hoped to start, I had heard of work that's done uh, with horses to help people with rehabilitation. And that really uh, got my attention. And so I thought I would do a speculative piece involving horses that might help me meet some people that could that could help me to raise money for, for people who use horse therapy. And that's what started this project here. And that's what's behind you, Derby. Yeah, Day. beautiful. Yeah, Derby Day. It was uh it started out as as just a small uh idea and very quickly it became a major, probably the, the major piece that I've ever done. And uh, and be so uh, aside from what you're talking about right now, was there a certain person that inspired you to paint Derby Day? Yeah, my uncle Don Coleman uh, was a, one of my best friends in my life. And um, when I quit drinking, that friendship suffered. And um, yet I miss him very much. And I wanted to express my love for him. And I went with him and his family to watch the horse races in Long Acres in Washington State many years ago. And I just had a feeling of sentimentality for what an amazing experience that was and how that started my friendship with Don. And that kind of mixed and meshed with this idea of working with, um, with horses and, and fundraising. Oh, and and then the painting took on a life of its own. And the timing of the painting also was very interesting. The, the timing is very critical to this project. I had drawn it on the canvas and had put down a, a couple of the first layers of a diluted oil paint when COVID hit. And I had drawn hundreds of people into the stands and I'd never really painted something where I where I really got in there and painted every individual person and suddenly the crowd meant at least as much as the as the race um, because suddenly there were no crowds there were no gathering and as everybody knows that hit everyone right in the gut and very psychologically. And I thought, you know, I have to paint every one of these people that I can paint because them standing near each other is of tremendous meaning all of a sudden. And so the painting has a lot going on and it's very optimistic. It's very full of power and glory and and it's full of really a lot of other things were happening in the United States at the same time that I started this painting. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden there's questions of 
law. There's questions of our racial, our complex racial history in the United States, um, which the Kentucky Derby, because it's the longest running athletic event in the United States, it has been there reading about that and, and trying to understand what the Kentucky Derby is. And the Kentucky Derby is a symbol of the United States. And it's not a, an idealized symbol. It's one that has tension, combat, violence, beauty. Uh, everything that America is, the Kentucky Derby has in it. And, and so that's what this um, painting became. And I ended up putting more time, more research into this than anything I'd ever previously done. And the response was also more overwhelming than, than anything I had previously done. And it just so happened that I was making a video, an introductory video at the same time I started this painting. And I had that crew back five times wow. to continue filming. And it put a lot of pressure on me to do, to make something good, if I could. And the whole thing was, um, was uh, documented, you know, by video, which was extremely fortunate as well. And so I think that, that this painting is started with a kind of idea of something meaningful to me. And it just became, something representative of of America, of the world, of so many uh, elements that, that make up our complex people. Mm -hmm. And not even so much about the horse, which is really what you'd think it was going to be about. And it really became more about all of us instead of just the horse's feature. Really amazing. Thank you for for going into all that detail. And that was definitely from the artist's point of view. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And um, I, I think when I, re when I released it, there was something uh, that connected for people that saw it um, in the same way. Like, I think when, some, when people saw it, they, they also thought there was more going on. Mm -hmm. uh, than what I set out to do. It's amazing. Is there anything more that you could tell us about your work or how we can find you online to see and learn more about your work? Yeah, thank you. Um, my, my work covers many genres. And I, what I've heard said about my work, which I like to hear, is that it's less about me like when you see the painting, you don't necessarily see Cameron Coleman. You see the subject. And I think lots of times we see the artist, the artist, the artist, the artist's mind. I'm not really into that too much. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's part of art and a really intrinsic and important part. But I want to express the subject and let the subject speak and come out. And and so that's why I like commission work is because anybody that 
that I work with, I get to learn about them. I get to learn about what they really love deeply. And that broadens my life and my horizon and my understanding. And that's the most rewarding thing for me about being an artist, isn't expressing my insight because we really don't want to see all that. You know, we want to see um, the symphony as it, as they see themselves. And someone with their horse as they see themselves and their horse, you mm -hmm. know. And, um, and the other thing I would say about my work that I think is pretty fundamental is that it's all religious. All of my work has a, a light, an inner light that it's trying to illuminate beyond itself. And, uh, and so um, there's a lot of religious material in, in my art, and that's really what makes me tick the most, is, is uh, just this belief in this light that can, that can spread and illuminate things around us. And uh, I believe that we really get that out of collaboration. So, and then people can find me at um, CameronColeman.com. Uh, K-A-M-R-O-N-C-O-L-E-M-A-N dot com. Um, and I have a web store where people can purchase originals and prints. And if you think that I might be a person you'd like to work with to commission a painting, um, that's what I really like to do. I like to do fundraising. And yeah, Wonderful. I'd like to work with you. And, really great. And this is Really looking forward to working with Equus as well. Wonderful. Thank you for having me today. Wonderful to talk to you. Any last words? You know, I think we covered quite a bit. Um, I'm just, I'm just grateful and optimistic, and and let's keep things going. Okay. Well, thank you, Cameron. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. It's my pleasure, Lisa. Have a great day. Thank you. Please be sure to tune in next week when Julianne and I have another interesting conversation with one of our Equus Film and Arts Fest filmmakers, artists, or authors. 